0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Button. Button. The Jeep have, has left the garage. We are going into the mountains. We're going to have a great episode today. I can't wait to introduce you to my guest. She's an absolute badass. Well, who is she, Casey? Who is she? Well, a marketing leader, a thought leader, an adventurer, a trailblazer, decade-plus working B2B, SaaS, and tech, a member of the AMA, recognized, get this, leadership. I don't just say this, right? In my introductions, oh, leader, really? No, no, no. She was recognized as the 2022 Leader to Watch. She's also the founding president of the Colorado Technology Association, vice president of global marketing at CSG. Crystal Allen, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Man, you're doing a lot of
1: things. I almost lost myself in your intro. (laughs) Gosh, don't we all get lost in those intros? Let's (laughs) just dispel that alone.
0: (laughs) Right? So speaking of that, I think it's time to smash things. So I'm going to pass you something.
1: This thing is heavy for
0: me, but I know you desert people, a little different. Okay. Here you go. You want to grab that? Take Thor's hammer. You got it? Okay. There you go. And so take Thor's hammer, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all.
1: Yeah, totally excited to be here, and thank you. I love Thor, and I love the Thor hammer. If only I could travel in time with that thing like he does. So it's a it's an original
0: mean, too. That's the actual hammer. You're using. That's
1: the actual yeah. hammer. Yeah. Oh well, then we're in the best version of the movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I think for our time today, really, what I was going to smash is account-based marketing is not just a B two B marketing strategy for market of one high value customer accounts. It's actually a form of marketing engagement that uses highly targeted, personalized campaigns to win over particular accounts through B2H. And I'm sure you're like, what the hell is B2H? Business to human connection. And why we think this myth is a little bit of bullshit. And don't we all love that card game or the scene in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? That's my favorite, personally, great movie. (laughs) Um, Because it truly does take that business to human connection to support those growth marketing goals effectively. I'm Overly excited about this because beyond the past five years and more, marketers, technologies, and our partner organizations like product management, go to market, customer success, we've become more and more critical partners in how we drive business growth and success than ever before. And really, in our time together, I was thinking, how do we make this memorable? And thought we could go through a list because everybody loves a list of 10 things. So Um, I thought we'll spend our time going through 10 things of really, why is ABM business to human connection more so than a business to business marketing strategy?
0: Yeah. See, this is fascinating. Why do you think so many people get confused around this topic?
1: Because there's so many technologies, there's so many different ways that you can drive marketing growth, marketing campaigns, integrated strategies. It's almost like we don't know where to start. And so then it's Do we start with demand gen? Do we start with account based marketing or do we start somewhere else? Do we start with brand building? Where in the funnel do we start? There's so many different ways that you can approach growth strategies that we get lost in what should the approach be. And really the importance of that is who is at the heart of our marketing strategy.
0: Got it. So we're we're, we're so distracted by like the tactics that we forget the freaking person on the other end that we're supposed to be trying to help
1: out. Yeah. And then we have so many tools that we're going through. Yeah. Are we going to email them? Are we going to SMS text them? Are we going to have them go through an automated telephone line? Are we going to target them in every channel possible? Are they going to get stuck with our brand? There's just so many different ways you can tackle this that oftentimes just getting started and remembering the person behind the other side of the computer is where we need to start.
0: Got it. All right, so let's dive in. So it sounds like we've got we've got a place to start here. We've got it. We got an ordered list to bring order to this chaos of because because to your point, there's so many things here. So so where do we start?
1: Yeah. So really understanding why account based marketing or business to human marketing, right? And that is the handshake between digital channels and human channels. And oftentimes you're thinking through cost because at the heart of it, all of us as marketers know we have a budget. We know what we want to try to drive towards, and we want that cost per click or the cost per lead to be as low as possible, but we know we also have to drive conversion that is quality for our sales teams. And not every lead that comes in from a target account is going to be a good lead. So beyond really understanding the A of ABM, beyond accounts, understanding those buying committees within the accounts, the different departments, how do they work together, how are they siloed? And in our current organization at CSG, we're a strategic account focused to land and expand our opportunities. And that can be sometimes challenging too, even if they're a customer, a current customer of ours, because there's the silos, there's the data, there's different ownership of the tech stacks or the infrastructures. And oftentimes, that even taking all those things into consideration impacts how we market to them.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. It, so do I get this right that you're you're using ABM and B2H synonymously? It's the same thing.
1: Yeah, synonymously. They're the same thing. And that could be a myth in itself.
0: Right. And that's probably marketers getting getting a fancy and ahead of themselves, making up yet another acronym when really we just need to be connecting with humans, right?
1: Right, exactly. Connecting with humans is at the heart of any marketing strategy that you're gonna take. So really dispelling b2b marketing to business to human i like that yeah
0: Yeah. I, I, sometimes i've heard people say it's human to human is it human to human or is it is it business human
1: well chat gpt could probably answer that for us i know right <laughs> um i think with the evolution of where technology is going it, it may not always be human to human interaction because we're looking for those efficiencies and what does chat gpt or generative AI options provide to us to streamline, find efficiencies in the ways we work. So it's hard to say that it truly will be human-to-human marketing in the future. Is it today? I'd say it's more today than it will be in the future. But maybe even in the future, we'll understand each other even better than we're trying to understand each other today because all of the engines behind the chat GPT or the generative AI engines will help us have tools to find those efficiencies and learning what we need and want out of one another. And not only out of one another, for our business's growth stake, what are the challenges that we're up against? How do we future-proof those challenges and then create strategies that are beneficial for both of our organizations?
0: So, so good. And the fact that you're thinking about the future as well, because as soon as we get it good for this moment, things have changed, the market's constantly changing. So we have to keep evolving with it. Um, so we've got, you've got a, you've got a list of, of these. Um, so what, which one's number one? Unless we, do we already cover that one.
1: Yeah. So number one is really just why account-based marketing. And that really is to understand beyond the account, the buying committee, what's happening across those accounts, the different departments and how they all work together. Got it. So account-based marketing really starts at knowing who, how, and what that account targeting strategy is going to be. As we go into the second point, it's, Should your growth approach be demand generation or account-based marketing led? And truthfully, demand generation activities should support the account-based marketing approach. So do you start with lead gen or do you start with the target account? Do you start with the target account or do you start with lead gen? It's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Yeah. And as you think through that, account-based marketing is not just digital. It truly is that human connection plus the digital connection. So we had a good example of one of these campaigns that we had ran that really was a combination of the demand generation and the account-based marketing approach uh, for a leading pharmaceutical company. And what we did is we really understood their marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. How are they communicating to their consumers to bring that human connection back in, bringing in their branding alignment? What was their campaign that their consumers were seeing? And how did we understand what was important to them in that moment? So when we were marketing our solutions to them, we could tie those together. And in that instance, it was really understanding the moments that matter most and creating a campaign connection with their brand, with their mission, and what was important to them to drive connection with their consumers. And that's really where we took an account-based and a deal-based solution approach to really putting all of our targeting together from our one-page data sheet all the way through our sizzle video, our campaign Graphics, we used their brand, we used their logo, we used their current campaign messaging tied with our value proposition to really bring that personalization and human connection to life. But also, demonstrating not only do we understand them as a business, we understand what was important to them as a business to their consumer, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. So, that B to B to H, business to business, and then the business to human.
0: So you customized all of those assets around their campaigns and even the sizzle videos and all like, I mean, that is ABM, right? Like that, that is that approach. And so was that, did that come first?
1: In regards to like the band gen were?
0: versus ABM, like chicken versus egg. Was it the egg? I'd say
1: we took a mixed approach, right? Because oh, gotcha. we had already known through intent signals that they were engaging with us on our website, they were Mm. engaging with us from a a deal pursuit in our sales organization, and this is where that partnership with sales and marketing is vital. We have that 360 feedback loop of, hey, we're working on this deal, this deal is with a leading pharmaceutical company, and we're hoping to drive forward what is a real orchestration of their customer journey and how we engage with their consumers. How can you help us bring that to life? Yeah. Increased time to value for the customer, being the business in this case. And how do we win the deal versus competitors that are a lot larger than us have this a very similar solution offering? And how do we differentiate by really putting that personalization and extra time into the welcome address all the way through the sizzle video to our key differentiators? And we were lucky in the fact that we had already done a pilot with them to where we could use some of the results of why we were better than our competitors. So we had that data to reinforce the buying decision and the influencing committee.
0: That sounds like an overwhelming amount of customization and tailoring. Did you get any feedback or did you see their reactions? Were, were they consuming this? Was it irresistible to them because it had their own logos on it?
1: It was, they actually asked for a copy of all of our materials and As they were going through the decision-making process, it went all the way through our marketing assets through to our response in the request for proposal or request for information in these cases. And then at the end, they were just so impressed with how well we understood them as a company, them as a culture, and their problems that they were trying to solve so they could provide a better end-consumer experience for us as humans.
0: Man, so I assume they signed for for 10 years and they're a permanent lifelong customer. And hopefully they're they're going to give you referrals soon if they haven't already, because that, that sounds like a great success story.
1: They're a super customer of ours and have already helped us continue to grow inside the retail pharmaceutical industry, as well as continue to grow and scale uh, how we help each other in business and driving uh, really comprehensive and engagement customer activities, which is great.
0: And you you took this mixed approach And it it sounds like what really got it over the finish line was that that tailoring, that ABM side of things. I I feel like I see a lot of people doing the opposite of everything you described, right? And so I I can imagine that when they're comparing your resources to everyone else's, everyone else has their boilerplate generic template that is just what they send everyone. And yours is like, has them in it every single time.
1: Yeah, and not only that, it's how do you think beyond just that campaign, because it's great to get them as a customer, but then how do you retain them? How do you keep them engaged? And how do you create value as them as a customer? So really having that advisory back from them as they're experiencing us as a business and our solutions and where we have opportunity to continue to grow, evolve, and optimize our solutions for them to continue to see success in engaging their customers too.
0: Amazing. Which
1: is each of us as humans.
0: Right. Again, I love that we're driving this point home. In the end, it is all B to H. So, okay, we started with Y. We've made that mixed decision of demand gen or ABM. Where, what's next?
1: So the third point is really around making sure you understand who that ideal customer is and how to draw them in. And we talked a little bit about that in a comprehensive example, but who makes the best customer? And yeah. then understanding, are you taking a vertical approach? Or are you taking a persona approach? In our case, we take both, we understand what is the industry vertical that we're targeting and who are those key personas that we want to target. And then understanding that they're all trying to solve something different. Maybe there's a business challenge, but each team probably has their own day-to-day challenge that they're they're trying to overcome. Right. So how do you build off that ideal customer profile or ICP in our marketing acronym dictionary? <laughs> who makes that? Best customer, that annual revenue, the industry vertical, what's the employee count, what's their geographical location. And then we take that one layer down and really understand looking at that ICP account list to track marketing qualified accounts or MQAs. Once they become that MQA, showing the in market intent from we always like to look in things of three, right? So three or more individuals in an account. And then From there, really activating that campaign to convert them into opportunities. If you take that approach, it really does demonstrate a business to human connection. And it all starts with understanding why account-based marketing, how demand generation and account-based marketing complement one another, and then going into the ICP or the ideal customer profile to make sure that those messages that you've created then resonate with the right audience.
0: I see so many people get stuck on this. I've gotten stuck on this too. It, it's so hard to say no to some people, and yet yeah, it's so powerful when you do. And and I, you know, the other day I was thinking about sometimes when you when you have those ideal customers, you end up wowing them just by being you, right? You don't have to do anything extra special or whatnot. You just give them, you just do your services, and they're just so happy with it. Yet you have these other people who aren't your ideal customer. You let them in and, and they're not happy. They're, and, and then you have to go above and beyond and all these different things and try to make them happy. And man, if we had only just isolated that ideal customer and went for it, we could be just making people happy left and right.
1: Yeah, I think the other component of that is, and this isn't just our organization, I'm sure marketing budgets are, are hard to come by. So how do you effectively and efficiently spend that money? And that's one thing that account-based marketing really enables is you're not just throwing and casting this huge net to maybe people who aren't interested in your product or aren't interested in your solution or aren't the ideal customer for you. We can rather go in deep sea fish with a spear, find the right type of fish in the right spot of the ocean at the right temperature that then is going to make the perfect meal, right? Right. Um, and I think that's really where everything comes together for effective marketing
0: growth. Do you have a particular thing you like looking for? I know there's all different layers that you've you've analyzed, but are there any telltale points that just give you that sense that a customer is just such a sweet fit, like a perfect fit?
1: You know, we it, when we think about competitive intelligence there are some signifiers, right? Did they just go through a recent acquisition? Mm. Are they growing? Did they acquire a different company? Uh, Are they going through a transformation? And it's easier in public companies where you can look at all of their earnings and how they're driving businesses. If you're targeting a private company, there's maybe not as much available information, but by doing research on the industry verticals, understanding the market buying power, what's available in their technology stack today, Where are they trying to drive initiatives like customer experience, customer satisfaction, which is a pretty common trend right now across any industry vertical and any uh, business. How do you really uh, obtain and retain those customers? And so we really look at taking competitive intelligence at the start of a program and our product marketing organization starts there. And then they help in, in partnership with our sales organization really understand what's happening from an industry trend perspective that then helps us get a little bit more granular in who's that sweet spot. And then we can take intent data right from our website or our marketing technology, like for account-based marketing, we use demand-based. We can take intent notifications of, are they looking at the same subject matter of a a specific solution or portfolio or challenge that we can then solve with one of our solutions? Mm. Are they engaging across multiple pages of our website, different solutions from revenue management and monetization to customer experience to payment transaction and processing? Where are they looking to really understand how do we then target and engage with them so that it is relevant, it's timely, and it's scalable to the problems that they're trying to solve for.
0: Got it, okay, awesome. Uh, let's, let's go. Th- we're going to run out of time for the, this list that Let, let's talk through this list. I want to hear all these other points. Maybe this is like a part two, eventually, uh, or maybe we'll put the, the rest of it behind a paywall, right. And we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. get some, some Jeep money out of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, we always need that good Jeep money. I'm That's on, it. I'm on the hook for some new wheels. I want some bronze ones. So, uh, anyhow, yeah. number four, being besties with digital marketing to know your magic keywords. This really comes down to those website search terms. How are people finding us? How are people finding the competitors? How do we rank against those competitors? And then are there trends in where and how and when people are searching for the specifics like we were just talking about? Got and it. then how do we stay in tune to the Google trends?
0: Oh, beautiful. Okay.
1: All right. Number five, personalization is important, but it doesn't always mean one-to-one, a person-to-a-person, Crystal to Casey. It could be Crystal to Casey, to Casey's podcast series, The Hard Corps Marketing Show, because you are your brand. You are the extension of that. So one-to-one can mean something as simple as, I'm talking to Casey, but I'm also talking to The Hard Corps Marketing Show and his audience. So really understanding what's your why, what's your challenges in your daily operations, and then really creating those materials to align to your business brand and that alone can be a, a myth in itself. Yeah. Personalization doesn't necessarily mean one-to-one personalized. It can create thresholds for what level of personalization is appropriate. And that goes back to vertical, sub-verticals, personas, um, or even accounts and beyond.
0: It makes total sense. The uh, key word I got from that was the levels of personalization. We think just like on-off sometimes when really there's layers we can, we can approach and address to. Total, totally. And, you know, and I think the layers help you approach this because you, to your point, you could smash a myth. You spend a whole podcast on that topic and you could spend a whole year personalizing and still not be good enough. So picking your battles of what are we going to personalize?
1: Yeah. And it takes time to personalize. So does. knowing where you're going to get the return on that investment of level of effort on personalization is important.
0: Yeah, that's something that a lot of people talk about the idea of getting an ROI on personalization. I think we kind of just do it and we think if we build it, they will come. If we personalize, they will just listen to us now. Right. Or if we have bad content, but we put their first name on it, maybe they'll think it's great. And it's like, ah, that's not exactly how that works.
1: Or they misspell my name or Oof. they don't, they, yeah. they might think I like black, but my favorite color is actually teal. And yeah. Sometimes uh, personalization personalization goes wrong before it goes right.
0: You know, I have a quick uh, question for you around that. I have heard it said that Starbucks spells your name wrong on purpose. So you'll take a photo of it, hate on them, and then share that on your socials. So everyone else goes like, oh, yeah, I should get some Starbucks. Is this true <laughs> or not?
1: <laughs> um, My socials have been a little quiet lately, but I would say anytime that it is spelled wrong, like C-H or C-R-I, uh, I'm always like, well, it still says Crystal and coffee is what I'm really after. So no matter how my name is spelled, as long as there's iced coffee in it, you've got a customer in me. <laughs> right,
0: right. But let's not mess up the ice versus the regular. You know, sometimes I've gotten something as crazy as like K-A-S-S-I-E, like, which like
1: is Cassie,
0: borderline Cassie with a K. I'm just like, oh God, what's going on? I should just ask for a new cup next time, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> or bring your own because now they're offering 10% off if you bring your own personal cup from home at least here in Colorado.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez, I like that. Okay. I know. Bring your yeah, own
1: then they from. can't mess up your name. You can have it engraved in there. Casey's coffee.
0: Yeah, yeah, get this like shiny, you know, bedazzled name.
1: <laughs> well, that's your next gift I'm going to send you in the mail a bedazzled Yeti cup for your coffee yes
0: <laughs> totally totally and that way I can bring it to Starbucks and no one will mess that up anymore so where it's do we go after you personalization
1: so using that intent data is really number six to be a better business person and be a more effective marketer so tracking the accounts and market understanding the intent or the why behind the buyer and then activation on understanding the why That's going to help you create and track that pipeline velocity in partnership with sales and marketing, really understanding the buying process. And they're the one raising their hand. So that's allowing you to identify them before they even raise their hand. So you can strategically align your processes with research they might need at each phase. And then that's where product marketing comes in to really reinforce the power of demand generation or account-based marketing.
0: How, and what's your favorite way to know that they're in market?
1: There's so many signals, right? Yeah. But to me, it really is how are they engaging on a digital channel and or if they're an existing customer, we usually get to hear that first from a quarterly business review or our advisory boards or our customer satisfaction survey results. Those are some of my favorite because it's coming from them truly or a direct testimonial or quote when we have a conversation that's bringing back to that business to human marketing approach.
0: Okay. Yeah. Intent. I, I mean, we had, we have to have you come back and just do a show just on intent because there's so much to that. To your point, there's so many signals.
1: So many signals and so many channels in which you can pick up those signals and, and even market back in those same channels to them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Moving along the journey is uh, it. really, <laughs> it's really the content mapping to drive that conversion. So, understanding the buyer's journey, know who's part of the decisioning, influencing, and researching phases. That then drives into A-B testing, the refinement, optimizing the call to actions. It could be the colors like we were talking about, the designs, the imagery that then develops that logical progression in the buying process. Uh,
0: So, I mean, so much to that as well, the content mapping, the idea of there being phases. Talk a little bit more about the phases part.
1: Yeah, so obviously if you just start with the buyer, they're probably going to bring in their team and who's going to be an influencer, who will be a user of a solution. Like for us in SaaS-based technology, we might be talking to the chief technology officer plus his security team, plus the people who are actually involved in implementing a new technology solution. Sure. We're then also helping support a customer experience team or a marketing team so then they're interested in the features the functionality and how they're actually going to engage with their consumers and then you you go all the way to the other side of that which is the chief digital officer in their organization which is how does this plug in with all of our other technologies and how can we optimize across these systems so if we only talked to the decisioner they're then going to bring in the influencers the researchers so we need to be talking across all of those phases so that way, when we get to the decisioning process, all of the homework and hard work and understanding who we are, what we do, how we do it, and how it's going to impact yeah. their business and the value we bring to their business, it's already done. So then it shortens that, that life cycle of buying from a, a provider.
0: And you're, you're considering things, that, I mean, planning ahead, knowing that they're going to have other people involved, makes total sense yeah. to then you know, prepare to serve them the things you know they're going to be asking about.
1: Yeah. You can usually assume there's going to be key po- proponents that they're going to need to know. What are the product requirements? What are the integrations that are needed? What are the securities? What are the certifications you right. have? What cloud environments it running in? That's obviously unique to our business, but there's similar requirements that are being across any industry and in any solution. You
0: know, And even more complex questions like, is a four-door Jeep Wrangler still a Wrangler? You know.
1: Ooh, that's a hot take. Yeah. I guess as the kids might say nowadays, but I, I think two doors or four doors, if they come off and the tops pop off and you can go uh, through the mud in them, they're both a Jeep Wrangler to me. <laughs> okay.
0: That's good. Yeah. I would tend to agree though. There's nothing quite like the two doors. So what's number eight, by the way, Crystal, have you thought of writing a book? Cause I feel like this is, this is like your book.
1: I do have a bucket list item that says publish a book. So maybe sometime in life, yeah, I think, not something I'm currently working on though. <laughs> well, tell me
0: tell me more about chapter eight now in your book. So,
1: uh, yep. Number eight is really around, and this is probably in my mind, number one, which okay. is building and investing in a stellar team that cultivates that sales synergy. And that's crucial for the human connection, the trust and the credibility and not only the credibility in you as a person, you as a team, but your brand as well. Yeah,
0: You know, there's a guy named Dan Sullivan who has this quote where he says, who, not how, right? You have a problem. You're not sure how to solve it. The question is not, how do I solve it? It's like, who do I need that will just knock this out of the park? So yeah, it's, it's so true that while it's chapter eight in your upcoming book, which I hope you'll sign for me, uh, it really is. Uh, the one of the most, or if not, it is the most important thing is that is that team around you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I I would be remiss not to shout out to Madison Sutherland, Suze Palazzari, Dan Armstrong. They're part of my growth marketing group leadership team that is outstanding. So I'd have to give a call out to them and just helping me prepare for these chapters of the book as well. So heck yeah, shout out us Yeah, you need a good shout out always. So I'll I'll bring us back to number nine, which is really around technology and data everywhere is Buzz Lightyear meme might come up (laughs) and it's really around uh, the budget, the executive buy-in and what to look for to understand when you have all these different technologies and all these different data points, how do you use them? How do you optimize them to really put your budget in the right place, get the buy-in where you need the buy-in and then use that data as marketing superpower to get that uh, connection with those customers or prospective customers.
0: (laughs) I love that these are both in the same category because one of the things I see happen with both tech and data is the lack of use of it, right? We collect it, we hoard it, and then we don't use it. And in the case of tech, we're probably paying for it at the same time. Can you talk to me about what it, what it takes to, to not just collect these things, but actually use them and, and make sure they don't just get all dusty in some corner somewhere and never, never to see the light of day?
1: I think that's even something we work on regularly with inside our Is How do we take that data as signals of buying or of interest to better market and more effectively market and understand our consumers of what are they looking for? What are the challenges that they're up against? And through those signals, through the data that we're finding, how do we then take that to be more relevant and personalized in our outreach to them? So a couple of strategies that we've deployed is really engaging with our marketing operations team, but we've brought our marketing operations team and our revenue operations team together under the same organization. So that way we're always proactively looking from a holistic life cycle of the sales and the marketing data together, which better helps that engagement. And then like that's that. how we take the power of the data and put it back into our marketing strategies.
0: So good. I feel like you you are a walking YouTube shorts soundbite machine. Like, like,
1: It's funny. I didn't even know what a YouTube short was until my husband was watching them the other night. And I was like, what are you watching? He's like, a YouTube short. And I was like, well, for a marketer, I'm out of date. What's that? And are you on threads? <laughs> right?
0: Seriously. Well, you're about to become a... a Uh, multi-personal YouTube shorts. So I'm sure he'll be able to like watch your shorts uh, Uh in a short period of time.
1: (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bring us on with number 10, which is don't let, don't let perfect be the enemy of very good and using those key performance indicators or KPIs to grow and evolve. To me, you aren't always going to be perfect when you launch your first marketing campaign or your first marketing program through account-based marketing, demand generation, or even from your content perspective on the product marketing side. So it's really understanding that account engagement, the program impact that you can have, how that then connects to revenue, the sales pipeline, and active and open opportunities to then influence what did marketing actually influence and impact in a deal life cycle And then continuing to have that qualitative support in that 360 degree feedback loop with the cross-functional teams that then ensures you have that account coverage, the program success, the pipeline created, all the way through how those opportunities were created following marketing campaigns and programs like events, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I've, I've seen the perfect get in the way when it comes to writing. And then you can see how it gets in the way of everything because you if you're so determined to make it perfect, it just, it will not be there ever really. And so you need to figure out how do you figure out what your threshold is, where it's good enough?
1: It, man, that is something that when I can tell my younger self and when I can tell my older self, some, some advice, I think that's something I'm continuing to learn through. I am a type a type three on the Enneagram and somebody who's always consistently looking for excellence and perfection. Um, but to me, I always say, if this materialistically didn't change, are the results going to be any different? And if so, is it worth the level of effort it's going to take to go from 80% to 100% done? And that's something as a an organization and as a team of strong performers and high performers that we always struggle with, which then impacts work-life balance and all of the other things that you try to do in a day-to-day basis. So I'd say knowing good enough is if it's not in market it's not good enough so uh get it in market test it get the results and try and just from trying you're going to get a lot more data than trying to make it perfect and so i will re- always try to encourage my team think through is it good enough to go live for us to get early insights on that we can then optimize and perfect after if we see the level of effort really through the engagement and the intent data that's coming in from the campaign.
0: Makes total sense. Getting that, that getting it out there early, you know, short of embarrassing yourself or being, you know, full of grammar errors or something, whether it's content or actual product, as long as you're not embarrassing yourself, it is a chance to get real data, right? The, I mean, you can hypothesize all day, but when you really find out if that person is taking the actions you're looking for and it lets you know a lot of things.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, what's perfect to me may not be the same perfect qualification to others on my team or in the market. What they're seeing in market might be a perfect campaign.
0: That's true. That is actually true. And and you won't know that until you put it out there to your point.
1: Yep. Take the risk. My next question to you is like, who...
0: Are you? Like, who are you? How do you know all these things? I feel like we've just gone through 10 power chapters in your future book, and I'm dying to know how you know all these things. When you were growing up, you know, Little Crystal, did you know you are going to be a marketing leader, teaching people about how to have a strategic approach to marketing?
1: If I go to Little Crystal, Little Crystal originally wanted to be either a marine biologist because she really enjoyed uh, swimming with dolphins at SeaWorld. Or a second grade teacher because she really looked up to um, Mrs. Cordova was her name at the time. And marketing hadn't even crossed my mind at that that point in time. I think I got my first insight into true marketing when I was in high school, when I participated in the DECA program and then qualified for state for one of our pitches. So that was about the first time I was really like, oh, marketing. I really like marketing. Uh, I I hadn't That's thought cool. about that as a younger kid. Other than my lemonade stand and making sure that I had the right pricing, profit margin, and marketing signage to get people to get it off the corner.
0: <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right? And, and make sure you get enough people there. And how much did do you remember how much you priced your lemonade for?
1: Oh, gosh. I think, okay, so I would say probably like a dollar fifty, which is cheap lemonade nowadays because if I would have nowadays. had lemonade, like, if I would have had lavender syrup to put in my lemonade at that time, I could have been charging like $10 that I pay for at a normal coffee shop. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was undercharging, I think. I think so,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. I could go pay $10 at Starbucks again or um, $1. fifty over here. Sold.
1: I know. I need to get back out on the street corner.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Well, if the marketing thing doesn't work out, there's always lemonade, lemonade stands.
1: Lemonade stand. Oh, yeah. Always.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, What are you doing now? So bring us to present day. You've got a whole team of awesome rock stars. We're all crushing things. What are you excited about now? What you're up to?
1: Yeah. Gosh, the team is so busy and we are doing so many cool things. So right now we're working on a couple of different product launches really to streamline payment engagement journeys in how you can pay on any method of payment so think about your digital wallet apple pay text to pay how do we streamline that journey for consumers and then also uh, have a call to action or a call to value where we can really communicate with them on multiple channels where they are when they're there to make a, a buying or a payment transaction simple so we're working on a product launch around that on the customer experience side of the business we're working on Uh, really simplifying the bill explanation of a a specific when you go to have a recurring payment and your bill changes. Why did it change? What changed about uh, your recurring fees or your taxes and then making it to where generative AI is a component of that to help explain what is happening on the bill and then predict what's coming in future changes. So we're working on a product launch around that. Additionally, we're scaling all of our product marketing frameworks to make sure that we are really clear in our storytelling and the value that we provide the market. Um, I'm trying to think what else is big that we're working on. Uh, cross-functionally, of course, the biggest thing that we're working on is how do we ensure that we always have enough pipeline, sales pipeline coverage to hit our sales booking targets in, in queue? So That's something that we're always working on from product marketing all the way through demand gen and account based marketing is how do we have the right content, the right story, the right differentiation points, and then the campaigns and the right channels that are personalized and relevant to our prospective customers or our current customers. And then to reinforce that with that human connection is really doing client advisory boards. We help support that with product management and go to market. As well as our customer centricity team and then on the other side of that engaging with them in client cultivation programs uh, through unique bespoke event experiences and or client conferences those are a few things that we're working on but the team would be like why didn't you mention this 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 um but really we tried to align our priorities to what we call the vital few so we try to align each of our organizations to the vital few priorities where there's three things so right now Prioritizing for impact, supporting rule of 40 growth, and solving the market's problems. And then there's some subtasks under those that I kind of just talked about.
0: I respect tremendously the idea of focusing on a few priorities. Obviously, things need to happen. Business things need to get done. But if you're not focused on anything, then you're kind of just all over the place, right? So having some vital few priorities to focus on and you can change them for next quarter or whatnot. But like laser focusing everyone's energy on on one or two things is is powerful. I see that working all the time. When people have 50 focuses, they have zero focuses. Uh, Powerful. I have a a question for you. It's a bit of a hypothetical question. Okay. Okay. So I got to be honest, I may or may not have a time machine in New Hampshire. Ooh right? So you're doing a cross-country Jeep road trip and come visit, do an event in Boston. And we go hang out, get some lobster beer and work with the time machine, right? Pull the tarp off. And it's a particular kind of time machine. You get to go visit yourself. You get to go visit yourself like literally three or four days after graduating University of Colorado, right? Colorado Springs, you got that BA in strategic communications, right? What do you say to yourself? Young Crystal just got a degree. Yeah, I'm going out in the real world. What kind of advice, what kind of things would you tell yourself?
1: Um, slow down and enjoy the path ahead would be one. Have fun on the journey ahead. Don't be too hard on yourself uh, along the journey Be open to opportunities that might be out of your comfort zone because oftentimes the learnings come when you're uncomfortable. And I'd say the other thing I would tell myself, which I'm usually pretty good about this, is continue being a risk taker. That'd be something I'd want to just reinforce that every risk and every thing that I didn't know how it was going to work out has worked out just fine and actually Oftentimes, when I've taken the biggest risks, it's been the biggest reward. So I would really just reinforce myself to keep that um, ambitious, risk-taking spirit as part of that journey.
0: Yeah, and when it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and there's I always another the journey. Path.
1: There's always another path.
0: There's always another one. Yeah, there's always another one. Fantastic, Crystal. We've we've done this. We've gotten through this i don't know if you looked at our own time warp we're literally an hour later from when we hit start so tell me where can people reach out and connect with you where do you want them to say hi and hopefully they should mention the podcast so you know where they're they're not just crazy strangers where do you want them to say hi
1: Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. Crystal Allen one is my backslash there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm testing out threads. We'll see how that goes. Crystal Allen 88 is the handle on both of those. Otherwise, say hi anyways. Uh, You can also email me. My work email is crystal.allen at csgi.com. Crystal C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. Just in case we're referencing my Starbucks name spelling. Uh, And that'll get you in touch with me.
0: Heck yeah. So good. Thank you so much for coming on here. I've had a ton of fun with you. I have a lot to learn and digest here, and and there's a lot to dive into, but it's clear if you use an organized way to go about things, then you get stuff and you focus on some priorities, you get things done. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Casey. It's been a great pleasure, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to have animal crackers and all the treats from the hard corpse marketing show. Thank you for sending those my way. And it's been a true pleasure being here with all of you today.
0: Absolutely. And for those listening, if you learn something and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here front and back where I've run out of space to write. So if you've learned something like I have one person, share it with one person who needs to hear this, who needs to hear about that approach that B to human, right? B to H that human approach, you know, all these acronyms, who needs to get real with these things? Who needs to take a measured approach, whether it's the ideal customer or the the vital few priorities? Who needs to hear it? Tag them, send them a note, link them to the episode, whatever you want to do. But that's thought leadership. Is getting good information to other people's hands. And with that, Crystal, you are the best. I will catch you later. Thank you again.
1: Awesome. Thank you again. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, this has been a
0: crazy episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.